You're listening to A Divine Foundation for Marriage, a sermon series about We Are One. For more on this series and others, visit ffmcenterville.com. All right, turn with me in your Bibles. Genesis chapter 2. This is the second sermon in our series on a divine foundation for marriage. Um, and I'm going to continue this week talking about um, the covenant, the reason, those things. And I told you I was going to talk about helpmeet, right? And the purpose of all of that, accepting your helpmeet and all those things. I want you to pay close attention to how the scripture is written and the order in which it is written in. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And then look at verse 9. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Wait a minute. God, God just said, It's not good, Adam's all alone. I'm going to make him a help, a helper, a help meet, your translation might say. And then it's like God got a little ADD there. He starts making critters instead of woman. Right? And whatever ever Adam called every living creature, that was its name. So God has created now an audience. Can't, you can't, don't miss what God is doing. God has created an audience. His whole creation now is set in position to witness the greatest part of all of creation. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the air. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib in which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man, and Adam said, Now this... Now this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Can you say wife? Interesting that the scripture calls Eve Adam's wife, but nobody signed any papers. There was no ceremony. See, y'all think I'm going to beat up on all that, aren't you? And they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. So, Father, would you bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said? All right, here we go. Now, lest you think, okay, that I'm going to beat up on the marriage ceremony, buckle your seatbelt and wait till the end. 
But I'm going to lay some things out for you today that I think are very important for you to begin to think about and look at in a way that you've probably never looked at it again as we talk about help meet. As we talk about this creation. As we talk about what God is doing. Here's the deal. We all choose to marry. Can you say amen? Nobody in this room got married and didn't choose to do it. If you're married, there's not a soul here who got married and didn't choose to do it. We all choose to marry if we get married. Absolutely we do. We choose to do this. We have in mind, when we choose to get married then, we have in mind this particular person that would fit us. Sure we do. And then I told you last week when we looked at this thing, I told you, I said, most people shop for marriage partners like they shop for clothes. Is it the right style? Is it going to look good on me? Is it going to match my complexion? Is it going to complement my body shape? Do I like it? Right? We shop. We shop for partners like we shop for clothes. How many men? Just raise your hand, men. It'd be all right for just a moment. You're in the safety of the church. It's okay. We can all claim sanctuary. Raise your hand, men, if you've ever went to the store with your wife to shop for a dress. All right, some of y'all lying. Okay, now, wait a minute, here we go. All right, women, raise your hands if you've ever went to the store with your husband so he could buy a pair of jeans. The shopping experience was incredibly different, wasn't it? Hello, somebody. I go into the store, I pull out a pair of blue jeans, and I throw them in the buggy, and my wife's like, are you going to try those on? No. She said, how do you know they fit? Because they're the same size as the pair I got on. They're the same brands as the pair I got on. And I've been wearing the same brand since I can't remember. They gonna fit. That took about 30 seconds. Next. I don't need colors. I don't need all those. I don't need all that stuff. My wife says, what color blue jeans do you want? How about let's go with blue? I go shopping with my wife for a dress. Like it's an all day matter. I might as well take a week of vacation. Total different experience. Hey, don't awe and moan. I want you to understand. I don't mind the process because I like her to look good. Go ahead, what are we doing here, babe? That one looks all right. That one you can wear out in public. This one you can wear just for me. That would be good. That would be great. I just join in the process. The problem is over the years she quit inviting me to go dress shopping with her. We, we search for that person that fits us. 
That person that we think has the characteristics or the physical or emotional rank in our list. We list it all out. This is it. This is what it's got to be. It's all got to be this way. And so all these things are our attempt to find a suitable, a suitable partner for us. Suitable. Now, Webster's Dictionary is amazing. I, I like the Webster's Dictionary. It, it, it defines partner as one who joins in an activity with another person. That's a partner joining into an activity with another person. So we, we, we get to the point, point here where we're talking about marriage, and often marriage is related to this idea of partnership and that kind of thing. So we repeat the marriage covenant, and we agree to take the other person on as our partner fully participate our partner here's the deal though we take our secular understanding of partner and we apply it to marriage so we know what partners are in a business Some partners come in and they're 50 50 right they they've got mutual benefit for coming together there's a reason for being there and as long as that benefit is there then the partnership stays together Business partnership. There's also, um, there's also an idea of silent partners, right? Like they're a partner, but they're just kind of in the background. They don't make all the decisions. They just kind of put an investment in, and then the other person is using that investment to, to be the front of the thing and all those things. So we've got this. So we take this idea of partnership. Then there's a, you know, not a full partner, but a part partner. And we take this idea when we start talking about marriage and spouses and clothes and shopping and does it fit me? Does it work right? Is it my style? We apply all this to marriage and we come into marriage thinking, well, this is going to be a good thing as long as I'm benefited. That lasts about a week. Then the partnership is struggling. This is not, can you say not? Not what God meant for marriage. Not. So before we look at God's intention for marriage, I want to walk with you quickly, quickly if I can, through the traditional marriage vow. Just to, review, just to refresh your memory here, in case you haven't ever been to a wedding. Now hold on with me. All right, hold, just buckle your seatbelt. Traditional um, Christian marriage vows are interesting, okay? We see in our times different aspects of marriage. If you've never done a study on the history of marriage, it's pretty interesting. And I, I mean, I, I go through it every year just to kind of refresh, go through what's this going on. But see, marriage today and the ceremony today is different, much different than what it used to be. Buckle your seatbelt. Hear me with your good ears. During those times, in ancient times, most marriages were by agreement between two families. Once the agreement was met, the woman left her family and went to live with her husband. It wasn't a ceremony. The two fathers came together and said, I have a need that you can meet. You have a need I can meet. We should form an alliance. Through this alliance, we will seal it, and our families will become one, so it's mutually benefit for us, by the giving of a son and the giving of a daughter. Dads would do it, 
This is it. Nobody questioned it. It's just the way it was. Now, how many of you women in here would like for your dad to be making a decision about who you're going to be married to? All right, guys. How many guys? How many of you guys in here would like your mom to be in charge of picking out your wife? Look at Labar over there. He's like, no. I'm sorry. He's just shaking his head. No, we're not. We're not going there. That's that's rude. <laughs> that's the way it was. Nobody questioned it. That's just the way it was. They set a date. Everything was going on, and it happened here. This is the way it was. Now, during Roman Empire, things start to change a little bit because during the Roman Empire, there was this idea known as common law or free marriages, which meant that people chose by themselves. They, were cho- they chose to, to marry who they wanted to without anybody else's influence. And so they would, just, uh, be, they would just agree to be married, and there would be this common law married, they're married, or this free marriage, they would have chosen a spouse, and, and they would be married. And so what happens here is the, the, the father would deliver the bride to the groom, but the issue is there was oftentimes wealth that that had to be considered and property that had to be considered. And so what the Romans decided to do is they decided to, to formalize it in a way where official documents were signed, where all the property would be listed out, the rights and the letting would be listed out. So the letting of everyone would know it would become a very public thing that this union was legalized for this purpose. So it's written down now. This was the beginning of the official recording of marriages. Now, to your surprise, and mine too, the church, can you say the church, did not get involved in marriage until the ninth century. Church didn't get involved in it. Wasn't involved at all in it. It's incredible. Then come around about the 13th century, English weddings started happening, especially in the upper class, and they became a religious event. Now, in 1563, the Council of Trent required, it required Catholic marriages to be celebrated at a Catholic church by a priest and two witnesses. By the 18th century, the wedding was a religious event in all of the countries in Europe. And in the colonial times here in North America, the customs of the old country were followed. The colonists who wanted civil marriages and not religious marriages passed laws so that they could have them. So, in Europe, you couldn't have a wedding anymore unless it was a religious ceremony. When we came to the colonies, the the civil colonists who, who weren't as religious as some who were here said, listen, we don't believe it should be a part of a religious ceremony. We'd still like to have a legal ceremony for the same purpose, dictating out what is given. So civil and common law marriages 
began to be a part. Even in some states here in North America, common law marriages are still recognized. Like I think, I don't think it's still legal, but in Florida, I think after like seven years, if a couple had lived together, the law just considered them married. And so if they decided to separate after that much time, they had to go through the same process as somebody who was legally married in order to do that. And so what happens is the law stepped in and said, look, we don't care whether you went through the ceremony or not. We're going to consider you legally married. That's called a common law marriage. Okay? Now, we understand they do that for tax free whatever that's all this background information you can see that traditional marriage ceremony it's only like a few hundred years old so now let's examine the actual marriage vows and the meaning behind the words i mean i mean you've been to a wedding right we come in we gather in we say oh we're here this is, this is important. We're gathered here for this reason because these two people are getting married. We've got to have witnesses. We want people to come and celebrate it. How many of you have ever been invited to a marriage that you didn't believe was, and you just said, I don't know that I can go and support that? Only Matt? One thing that stands out in the reference to God and his blessings for marriage relationship is, is this marriage ceremony. It, it, I want to give you why I think the ceremony is important. I want to I show you why I think biblically it's important. Because here we do, we come into a wedding. We sit down. And each person listens to the introduction and as they listen to the introduction, they've got time to really reflect for the moment about why we are here, why these two people are entering into this relationship. And, and, and so the preacher starts with the reason why we're here. The reason why we're here. So we go back to Genesis, and in God's created process, He interrupts the creation process in our minds and creates Eve. So that Adam can have a wife. I will put it to you this way. I don't think God interrupted the creation process at all. I think God was creating an audience to participate, witness, and see his greatest creation to this point. So we're gathered. God says... Hey, it's not good for Adam to be alone. I'm going to make a helper, a helpmeet. I've called him to some things. I've called him to purpose. I've called him to my glory, my honor. He needs some help to accomplish that. I'm going to make somebody for him. And then God gets a little ADD and says, oh, squirrel. <laughs> squirrel. God sneezes in the process and there's a platypus. And the giraffe gets stuck in the process. <laughs> no. God's creating. He's setting all of creation up to be an audience to what he's about to do. Like all of creation 
is created to be the congregation of Adam and Eve's wedding. Wow. So, we start a wedding with the, the reason we're here. Can I? Is that all right? Dearly beloved. We've come together in the presence of God to witness the joining together of this man and this woman in holy matrimony. The sacred relationship of marriage is established by God in creation. And our Lord Jesus Christ adorned marriage by his presence and the first miracle of his ministry at the wedding in Canaan. The Apostle Paul chose marriage to symbolize the union between Christ and his church. The Holy Scripture commends marriage to be honored among all. Can you say all? All people. The union of man and wife in heart, body, mind, and soul is attended by God for their mutual joy and for the help and comfort given to the one another in prosperity and adversity. And when it is God's will for the procreation of children and their nurture in the knowledge of the love of the Lord. Therefore, marriage is not to be entered into unadvisably or lightly, but soberly, deliberately, and in reverent fear before God. It's into this holy union that this man and this woman now come to be joined. You ever heard something like that? I like writing weddings. So here we are. We know why we're here. Here we are in creation. Do we know why we're here? Here we are, all of creation, set up to witness something so powerful. Next, inside of the wedding ceremony, there's a confirmation question to the audience and, and the question to the individuals chosen to give the bride away. Now, this is good, all right? You, you ready? See, giving the bride away is important because the bride must now leave her family and go and start a new family with her husband. I tell all of our young ladies, you get married, your job is to follow your husband. And some of our young ladies have gotten married and, and, and have moved into other churches and other areas because that's where their, her husband felt like they should go and be spiritually used and grow. And we have to honor that. We honor that with great joy, right? To and I tell my wife, say, you have, to, she here, you have to follow your husband. Now, let me just help you out here because Jesus came and he, he elevated the status of women. All you ladies should be excited about this. Because up until then, daughters were considered property of the father. She belonged to him. And in a lot of cultures, you don't get a daughter unless you pay a dowry. You can, anytime, Sneed is good. <laughs> One of my marriage sermon series, I used the idea of ten cows, and it was really good. Some of you might remember the ten cow woman. So the giving away of her 
was significant because it was the father's property to give away, not anybody else's. See, in our culture today, the father still gives the bride away, but it's an amazing symbolism inside of the wedding. That's why I always have the groom go down and get the bride from the father because as he places her hand in the groom's hand, he's basically saying to that young man, this is mine, I am giving it to you, and I charge you to take care of it the way I I took care of it. She better not ever be hungry, cold, hurt. She better be provided for. Now, it's especially amazing when a father has treated his daughter correctly. And it's just heavy on a guy to realize that's what's really happening. But it can, be, it can be incredibly liberating when a daughter hasn't been cared for properly to know that there is a man who loves the Lord. And because he loves the Lord, he intends on taking care of her. Because after all, she is bone of his bone. She, she is part of who he is. She, listen, she's, part, she's so deep inside who he is. She's part of... The support system. Adam wasn't saying to Eve when he said, there she is, that's bone of my bone. Adam wasn't saying, I love you with all my heart. He didn't say that. He said, I love you with everything that supports me. Now grab a hold of this and we're moving through. It's so important to see what's happening here. So the groom takes the bride from the father. And there's a declaration that's made. Right up, we ask. Will you take this husband? Will you take this or will you take this man or will you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded husband or wife? And the, the simple answer is I do. There's a, a declaration of consent. I'm here of my free will. This consent, I'm here because I want to be, because I intend to love this person, comfort this person, honor this person, keep this person in sickness and in health, forsaking all others to be faithful so long as we both shall live. I do. The declaration of consent and then follows the marriage vows. It's always neat. Sometimes we write vows, sometimes we use pre-written ones, sometimes um, couples write their own vows. There's a difference here, because these vows are not in the form of a question. People tell me all the time, oh, it's kind of doubled when you ask them if they do, and then you, you have them go through marriage vows. That's kind of double. You can do away with that in a marriage ceremony. No, you can't. There's a, there's a consent to say, I'm here willingly. I do. And then there's a statement. It's not a question. It's a statement now. This is because I do. This is what I plan on doing. assumed at this point based on their other answer and each party's willing to agree and so we say I Don take you Lisa to be my lawfully wedded wife to hold from this day forward for better or worse richer or poor in sickness and in health to love to cherish until death parts us as God is my witness I give you this promise this declaration of, now that I said, yes, I'm here willingly, this is what I intend to do. 
And we seal that. Now, please don't send me emails. Please don't go through this. If it's, if it's not your conviction to wear wedding rings, I'm good with that. I'm, 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 not, talking about, I'm not talking about the form of how it's... I'm saying this is what traditional ceremonies are like, and I'm trying to share with you a biblical sense from it. If you don't want to wear rings, don't wear rings, right? It's, it's, I'm not saying any... It's not a salvation issue. Grab a hold of this, okay? There's this exchange of rings. Now, the exchange of rings is a, is a confirmation that each party has been committed to someone else. Right? So it, it, it's, a, it, it's a taking them off the market, so to speak. Now, don't tell me it doesn't play on our society because even kids today give like a promise ring. Whatever that means. Right? It doesn't mean anything other than I'm taking you off the market. Everybody needs to know. You know what I'm saying? Engagement rings do the same kind of atmosphere. This We've set this date. We've set this date and we're engaged. We're, we're working towards getting to that date. It says the same kind of thing, okay? So the symbolism says this. More than this, I want you to grab, more than just being taken off the market, I want you to grab the symbolism here. The symbolism is that this I've chosen to accept the ring from someone else. Chosen to accept it. So exchange rings. You give a ring as a symbol of the sincerity of your vows. And then we say, Lord, bless this ring as a sign that this man and woman have bound themselves to each other through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And each person says, I give this ring, the symbol of my vow that, that I am and all that I have is yours in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Something along those lines. So the ring is given and the ring is taken. The most important part is that the ring is taken. Right? Sometimes my wife's hands will swell. She'll take her fingers, her, her rings off, and we'll, we'll leave the house. She'll go, oh, I left the house without my ring. I said, well, what are we going to do if some guy hits on you? <laughs> I mean, I'm just not responsible. It's going to be your fault that I deck him. I'd be, I'd tell the police officer when he shows up, it was that woman the Lord gave me. No. Then the part of the wedding that's very simple. I love it, I love it, I love it. The pronouncement of the marriage is the one the groom is looking the most to. He, all the ceremony, all the hype, all the fluff, all the puff, everything that goes on inside of marriage, wedding, ceremonies, uh, all of that stuff, right? We all get down to it. We're just all waiting for this because once we get to this point, everybody's like, great, now we can go eat. And the groom's like, great, now we can go to the honeymoon, okay? So now that the groom and bride have given themselves to each other in the solemn vows before us, before God is witnesses and have shown their affection and trust by giving and receiving rings and joining their hands, I pronounce them. I pronounce, as a God-ordained minister of the gospel, I pronounce them. Husband and wife. Therefore, what God has joined, let no man separate. I love the pause right there. Don't you like the pause? Because you know all the guy wants to do is just kiss and get that. Let's go, man. And I just... 
You may kiss the bride, and they kiss, and I get to say, now let me introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. Everybody stands up. Yay! Yay! The music starts. They're going out there. It's party time now, right? Gotten many letters about the party time after church. I didn't know preachers weren't supposed to dance at wedding ceremonies. I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> it wasn't in the preacher handbook. I didn't know that. I mean, angels can dance, but preachers can't. These are the vows of a traditional Christian marriage ceremony. This is kind of what it looks like. If you don't understand God's purpose for marriage, then these, these, these words, words, the ceremony's going to be a ceremony. If you don't understand the purpose of marriage and what God is doing, it doesn't matter what the fluff is. It doesn't matter how big the puff is. It doesn't matter what words we say. It doesn't matter how many pieces of paper we sign. If you don't understand God's purpose for it, it just as well be common law. It just as well be. We just as well just sign the paper, let you take it down to the courthouse. Just save your money. Because if you don't understand what God was doing in Genesis chapter 2, when he's creating an audience to be witness to the first marriage, it's just fluff. It's just puff. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, I've, I've done weddings before. I tell you know couples all the time, listen, You've got to go buy the marriage license because the license is the only thing that makes it legal. The ceremony is just that. I did a wedding one time where somebody forgot to take the, the license to the courthouse for three weeks. And the courthouse called me and said, Hey, Pastor Don, you did a wedding a while back. We haven't received the marriage license. I'm like, You haven't? And they're like, No. So I called this person up and I said, Did you take that back? Oh, no, I forgot. I said, It's been three weeks. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, You've been living in sin for three weeks. I showed up for, to do one wedding, and the, the husband and wife, they hadn't even bought the marriage license yet. And he said, whoops. <laughs> if you don't understand the purpose of what God is doing, it's fluff and it's puff. The covenant relationship can be little more than two individuals choosing to live together for a while. Because after all, partnership is what? It's about coming together because of mutual benefit. And as long as that mutual benefit is there, then we're partners and we're doing well. But when that mutual benefit leaves, then we're not partners no more. And we're not doing no well. So we don't understand the purpose of what God is doing in marriage. So that's no wonder. That's no wonder that the divorce rate inside the church and the kingdom of God is the same as it is outside. Sure it is. So let's look at let's look at let's look at what God said in Genesis before we actually look at these marriage vows and I show you what's going on here. This is so incredibly awesome. All right, help meet. 
I got to move along, so y'all hang in with me. All right? Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now, 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verses 9 through 11. Let me read this to you quickly. You jot it down your notes and go there later. But it says, for indeed man was not created for woman's sake. Every guy's like, Ruh. that's right. But the woman for man's sake. Amen. Bible. Preach it. Scripture never said that woman was created to be man's slave. It said that God created woman because man had a need. Not that man needed a slave. See, when we say this word, oh, that was for his sake. That was for his benefit. That was for her sake. That means we're saying that we, something happened to benefit them. And so the Bible says here that the Lord, but woman was created for man's sake, to benefit him because he had need. However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor man independent of woman. I love this scripture because it puts everything in perspective. These two scriptures, we can find reference here when we see this to why God created woman and the rationale for her existence. We see her in the scriptures so beautifully set. The whole scene, all of the created cosmos had to be witness to her. Wow. This, this not only tells me how big of a need God saw that Adam had, but it also tells me how great a value this created being is. That all of cosmos had to be witness. Everything. Now this might shock you, but years ago in America, women didn't have rights. They didn't have the same privileges as men. And from the pulpit today, we're trying to say, okay, let's help fix marriage. And so we can say mutual submission, mutual submission, mutual submission. Let's work on mutual submission. Let's look at all this. And so I say to you, if we've got, if we've got the right message, if we've got the right understanding, then how come we don't have happy marriages? Is this all right? If 55 to 60% of all marriages end in divorce, Christian and non-Christian alike, then how come, how come the church's message isn't working? That's not an encouraging sign. It, especially when we understand God's purpose for marriage. God said it's not good. It's not good. This isn't good. Adam's busy naming all the animals and doing his job. God realized that he needed a helpmate, someone to help him do what God had commissioned him to do. And so God brings her. God decides to make woman someone who completes Adam, who comes alongside and complements what God is doing in his life. And when Adam first saw her, he recognized her. That's me. That's me. It wasn't like Adam was taken by surprise it, that, that she showed up and there's this creature he doesn't know what to do with. 
Adam is familiar with the process. God creates, I name. God creates, I name. God creates, I name. God, God did not ask Adam's permission. He didn't mutually put together a plan. The Bible says he put Adam to sleep, took a rib, closed his skin bag. It wasn't like Adam woke up the next day and goes, what's missing? What happened here? One, two, three, four, five. No, God did what God does. And Adam was blessed by it. So blessed that when he saw her, he said, this is bone of my bones. He's excited about what he sees. He said, this is me. Finally, there it is. Finally, I've seen of everything I've experienced. And all of creation is there watching. She shall be called woman. Isn't it appropriate that her name is Eve, called mother, and that all of creation was there to see her? And Adam is like, I'm not, I'm not going to love her with my heart. It's not enough. I'm going to love her with my bones. That's my support system. That's bone of my bone. That's how important she is. She's me. I can't do anything without her now. I've realized that what God is doing, that's how important she is. See, if men would look at women with that kind of value, have a lot less violence toward them and a lot less stupid attitude toward them. If women would understand what God was doing and all the creative process to bring her to back, she, she'd understand that her greatest value is to come alongside what God has called her husband to do and be the helpmate. No. No. Be the helpmate. What has God called us to do together? And what's my role? He says, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, I'm a color woman. This is referred to, if you want to, as the original marriage vows. Can't get any deeper than that, guys. See, in our society, we say, man, I love you with all my heart. In the Hebrew society, they didn't say that. They, their term was, I love you with all my bowels. That's a whole new meaning to Oh, sweetheart, you move me. <laughs> Why do I say all this? In other words, Eve was made for the benefit or good of Adam. Adam became better because of Eve. Adam became better because of her. I mean, God's perfect creation of Adam became better because of her. Men in this room, if you're married, if you treat your wife properly, you can become better because of her. Notice, God did not make Adam a slave or a servant. A slave doesn't have all the rights of the master. But a partner, a helpmeet, has the rights of the others. Helpmeet can meet the needs of their partner like no one else can. 
I want to make sure you understand this because this is so important. In society, in every society, it doesn't matter which society you go in, in society, here's the deal. We've got different roles as men and women. That, I didn't say different values. I said different roles. Let me help you out. Pastor Don ain't birthing no babies. It's not my, it's just, it's not my role. I, I'm just not doing it. It, it, that doesn't place value on anything. I'm so sick of this liberal world trying to place value on roles. Adam had a need. Eve had a need. God brings together two whole beings to accomplish everything. This is what Paul was referencing in verse 11. He said, neither being independent of each other. When two people come together, they've got to learn how to be one in God's eyes. You know, nobody comes in my office and say, Pastor Don, we've got a problem as a married couple. We are too close. We just get along too well. I mean, we just think alike. We finish each other's sandwiches. I mean, sentences. Frozen took over there. Sorry. We're just one. We got a problem. No, everybody comes into my office and 100%, 100% of the reason why we have marriage problems is because I want to be served instead of serving. It's simple, but it's complicated. Because you two used to be unselfish. She always, he nevers. I'm changing if they change. You, listen, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot have marriage problems and stand before anybody who's got any common sense and say, I don't have any problems. It's my spouse's problem. They're the ones who need to go get fixed. You can't, you're literally saying we're not one, and that's your problem. Because, see, when I had a pornography problem, guess who else had a pornography problem? Not that she was looking at it. She was just married to it. You got a problem. And the problem says, I'm here to be a help meet, not a condemner. You got to work hard. It's, it's not all about physical union. It's not a total package. You got to work hard. And I'm just telling you right now, you got to work. Y'all ain't hearing me. You got to work hard to merge two lives into one. Cindy and Eldon, come here. I, I mean, this is... Sit down. Sit, sit down. Get close there like you like one another. All right. How, how long have you been married? 41 years. All right, Cindy, get up and walk. Walk over there. Walk back. Yep, you have to come back. Sit down. Eldon, get up and walk. 
Listen, this is what happens when I stay up late at night trying to figure out sermon illustrations. <laughs> Cindy, I want you to extend your right hand straight out. Eleanor, I want you to take your left hand straight out, grab your wife by the wrist. Now, I want you to take this cord, right? Yep. I want you to use these two hands, and I want you to tie those hands together. Yeah, help. Great. Extend these two hands. Now I want you to take those two hands, tie these two hands together. Cindy, get up and walk. Come on. No, I'm not going. <laughs> Perfect illustration. Eldon, get up and walk. We need a little music. Slide this hand out. Slide this hand out. Now, Eldon, go walk over there. Cindy, go walk over there. Are these two married? When were they closer? Give them a hand. <laughs> this is my illustration. This is my point. If we're going to be one, we need to help meet. If we're going to be one, we need to help meet. See, this is what happens in engagements. Couples get engaged. They just start discussing um, the road that's before them. Then all of a sudden, they're married, and now they're one on paper. Still, they're separate individuals emotionally and spiritually. When I had them tie their arms together using only one hand, there's a struggle of coordinating with each other. But it can be done if you have a mutual goal. Before they were tied together, they could move freely. It didn't require the help of the other person in order to move. I could get up and walk. I could just do whatever. I could just move. I can do my own thing. But when we're married... then we can't get up and walk and do our own thing. It requires the other person 
cooperating and assisting. To become one with another person, you've got to start living and acting as. It's a simple demonstration of Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, when the Lord says, and they shall become one flesh. A helpmate is someone who is there to help you when you need it and when you don't. There's no one tying. The marriage ceremony is important, church, because it's what God was doing in Genesis. We show up, there's witnesses. It's not about fluff and puff, it's about purpose. I don't mind the fluff and puff. I just mind it if there ain't no purpose behind it. I think the most beautiful thing in all of the creation process was the time when everything that had been created and named was there to witness the marriage of Adam and Eve. It may not have looked like your ceremony, but it was God's and every part of your ceremony was in it. And Eve was called his wife. Amazing. Amazing. We're partners. When the weak, one is weak, one is strong. When one is hurt, the other helps ease the pain. When one is happy, you share the joy. When there's work to be done, you pitch in and do it together. Your partners. That's a biblical idea of partnerships, not about mutual benefit. And see, in all partnerships, there's a strengths and weaknesses. And the goal of the partner is to balance you in that area when you need it most. Help me as a gift from God. Gift. Because only He knows fully what you're in need of. Only he can choose appropriately who that person is. Here's the deal. You might not feel like your marriage was put together like Adam's. Let's be honest. But nonetheless, you're married. Do we know the purpose? Do you understand what God is doing? That's when a help meet becomes so amazing. That's so amazing. I am grateful. I am grateful for every marriage who will posture itself to say, we know we will be better when we discover God's purpose and know it for sure. The marriage ceremony ties us. We don't got any business untying that. We don't got any business untying it. There's always pain when you do. Our business is to keep the knot tight. Hello, church. So I want you to stand with me in this place. That was, that was the best I could come up with, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Next week, though, I want to tell you how I believe that cake and biscuit equals cookies.
God is putting together these amazing ingredients. These amazing ingredients. Father, I want to pray for these people. Thank you, Lord, for your heart in this area. I pray tonight or today, God, that uh, you'd help us never forget this image of working together, tying ourselves together for your glory and your honor. God, please help us. Forgive us, Lord, for putting puff and fluff above purpose. Forgive us, God, for wanting that more than we want your joining. God, I pray that as we do come to the church before witnesses and the kingdom and, and in the power of your presence, God, join hearts and lives together through the ceremony of marriage, that the beauty of what you're doing will be seen more than the beauty of the fluff and puff. Let your heart be well-pleased, God. We know our marriages need work, God. Would you continue to touch us? Would you continue, God, to pour yourself out into us? Do it for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, give the Lord a hand of praise. Turn around and tell somebody you love them. God bless you.